welcome back to another episode of the Employee to Boss podcast. I'm your host, Haley Hayhurst, the owner of Espresso Podcast Production. I help business and brands grow and scale podcasts that will bring them more money, more revenue, that will bring them more clients. And really, my bread and butter is helping brands start and scale their podcasts. So getting in front of the right audience, sharing the right content, having a strategy behind it all is what I love, love, love doing. Podcasting is really my passion and I want to help more people in 2024 launch their podcasts that will bring them results. So this is not just like blindly launching and hoping for the best. This is really launching with a professional strategy in place that we will know you will see the results that you want to see. So whether it be growing your social media following, getting new client leads every single month, growing your email list, a podcast can do these things for you when you have the strategy for it. So let's talk about today's episode because I really love this one. I'm talking with Hunter Myers, the founder of Verger Design Co., about really finding the best way to run your business for you. All of our brains work differently, whether you are a morning person, an afternoon person, a night person, whether you are full-time in your business, part-time, whether this might just be a dream of yours. What you really need to do to grow a successful business is figure out the way that your brain works, figure out your habits, your lifestyle, and then build your business around that. So when we're all in nine to fives, it's really easy to get into that structure because we have a whole team or bosses that are managing us. But when it's your own business, it's kind of like, okay, what do I do now? (laughs) Like, I can work any time of day. And in the beginning of starting my business, Espresso Podcast Production, I would work long hours into the night because I was not inspired in the morning. I would get all these ideas around like 7 p.m. and just have to write them all down then. But When I took the time to figure out what my schedule is, break it down, when I'm feeling most inspired, and then do my client work versus my own business versus brainstorming at different times, I was able to figure it all out. So a little bit about Hunter. With over 10 years of illustration experience and six years of design experience, Hunter is putting her talents and skills to use to help minority business owners develop stellar brands. Her degrees in English and sociology, paired with her neurodivergent brain, has helped her craft a unique branding process developed to breathe life into traditionally static designs. So let's get right into this episode with Hunter. Hey Hunter, thank you so much for joining me on the Employee to Boss podcast. I am so excited to be chatting with you today. Yes, I am pumped for our conversation and very, very excited that you kind of brought me on here to talk. Yes. Yeah. So your business definitely stood out to me. I was looking at your bio, your website, your Instagram and all of that. And the people that you work with and the brands that you work with and the mission of your business is so different from a lot of the people I've interviewed before. And I love getting new perspectives on my podcast. So if you wanted to start off by telling us a little bit about who you are, what you do and your journey from employee to boss, I would love to learn more. Yeah, yeah. So the story's a little long-winded, so I'll try my best to kind of condense it. But I've been a graphic designer now for the last, I think, six or seven years. Um, That is not what I went to school for. I thought that I was going to be a writer. 
Uh, so I went to school for English and sociology, really, really enjoyed it. And when I left school, I could not find a writing job to save my life. I was like, oh no, that thing where they say you're not going to use your degree is going to happen to me. And I've always like, I've always loved art. I did a little bit of design for an internship right at the end of college. And so when I was receiving like no after no after no for all these writing positions, I found a graphic design one. I was like, like F it, you know, another no is not going to hurt me. I need a job. I'm running out of savings. And so I applied and they brought me in. They're like, oh my gosh, we love your portfolio. Like, please come in. Like, let's have an interview. And that's when my career concept and what I thought I was going to be doing just completely shifted. And I really hit the ground running in the design field. And so I was doing that with a small marketing company for about three years. And then, hey, COVID hit and I got furloughed, which was definitely a blessing in disguise. I had been wanting to leave the company for a while, but couldn't quite figure out how to do it. And for anyone who is listening and isn't quite sure how to leave a company, it can be like really scary, right? To leave all of that income behind, not really know what you're doing. And I like to think of it as if I like was kind of walking the plank and this company just pushed me <laughs> right off when I got furloughed. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I can figure it out. I had done some contract work previously. So like I knew, I knew the tax side of things, but there was so much so much learning that happened uh, within those that first year, especially where you kind of go into this thinking, well, I'm just going to design, you know, I'm going to do exactly what I did at my nine to five, but there are just so many other moving parts that I didn't know I was getting into. And that wound up being actually very fun for me. So being um, neurodivergent, I definitely have ADHD and I love a good hyper-focus and I get like really excited about various categories. And for me, this business piece was huge. Like I love mapping things and figuring out, you know, what next steps I need to take and setting goals and chasing those. And it was a really cool opportunity to kind of apply what I had loved doing in school but hadn't really been doing for the previous three years to something new and like have this really exciting and not obviously like not hobby because <laughs> this is my income folks. Like this is what I do, but it felt like that, you know, that same kind of passion that you have when you're doing something that you really, really enjoy. So it's been very neat. Don't get me wrong. Like there have definitely been some huge hurdles to overcome. A lot of fear has been a really big one. And I think a lot of like mindset work as well, where you really get into this, like I said, thinking that you're just going to do whatever, maybe your services, or you're just going to have whatever product you're going to sell. I mean, there's just so much more that you take on and you really force yourself into some really cool growth. And that's definitely what I've experienced over the last, I guess it's been three to four years that I've been running this. That's awesome. And what a great story. Thank you so much for sharing. I hear that a lot where someone's thinking about leaving their company and then like get pushed into like actually leaving. And they're like, it's a blessing in disguise because obviously it's terrifying, but then you can focus on what you really want to focus on. So thank you for sharing that part. And now you work with a lot of brands who like the CEO founder may be neurodivergent as well. And you help them with their branding, growing strategy, all of that. So can you tell us for anyone who doesn't know what neurodivergent is, could you give them a little description and then also how you decided to niche down into that? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm still learning a ton about the neurodivergent community. I was like lately diagnosed with it. Um, so you have got ADHD and then autism as well tends to be in that neurodivergent 
spectrum. And the reason, so I'll talk about the reason why I decided to focus on these businesses. And a lot of it came from having to learn myself how to run a business as like with a neurodivergent brain. So with a brain that just functions quite differently, we've got a lot of like hiccups and additional hurdles that have to be overcome that do make running a business traditionally a little more difficult. And so going through, like I said, the process that I had to go through learning how my brain works. And a lot of that guys was just trial and error, right? Like I, I had hired coaches and all kinds of stuff and just felt like I was coming up against the same wall every single time. And it was so incredibly frustrating. And I felt like in those moments, and there were a lot of them that I was just like, am I even cut out for this? Like this must be my problem, you know, not really considering that it was actually an issue with the way that I was being taught. Fast forward a little bit now that I know some of this stuff and learning that like for me, number one, like something has to be fun. Like I have to find a way to make it fun in order for me to do it. Like I can't just go in and like for social media, for example, and like block out a chunk of time and batch produce a bunch of things. Like that is not fun for me. I dread it. In the dread, there's like the procrastination and all of this stuff. I also learned that I'm very like reward focused. And so sales, sales was terrifying because of like the fear of that rejection. And RSD is something that a lot of neurodivergent people experience as well, which is like this overwhelming. And like, there's like normal fear of rejection, right? Like it's like, oh, I'm a little uncomfortable, but I can overcome it. And then there's like the intense fear of rejection where it feels like you are dying and like truly unsafe. And so I learned that the way for me as a neurodivergent person to kind of overcome that was to set rewards for myself. So we talk about wearing all the hats as a business owner and you do like especially as you're just starting out, like you have to learn sales, but you also have to be kind of your own sales manager as well, which I hadn't thought about previously. But once I kind of tapped into that and started treating myself as both individuals, not just doing the sales, but also being the person encouraging myself to do the sales and rewarding myself for reaching different milestones, it really helped me overcome kind of what was really holding me back. And likewise, the same went for building my services as well. Like I found that the traditional design process where it's supposed to take weeks and weeks and weeks of revisions and back and forth for you to get a brand and actually get going and started just wasn't the right move for me. Like I will be super honest, the longer a project goes, the less likely I feel like I am to finish it. I get so bored. (laughs) I get so frustrated. And I know that the client does as well. You know, no one likes signing up to get a brand built for you and it taking three to six months, you know, like everyone want, like, let's do this now, let's do this now. And so learning how to condense my process to work best with my own brain so that I'm performing best for my clients. And then also learning that other neurodivergent people also function well with this process where it eliminates a lot of that decision fatigue. It eliminates the shiny object syndrome that tends to happen in longer um, timelines. So all of like all of these pieces started to come together like one by one as I'm, I kind of think of it like a puzzle, right? And you don't quite know what the image is going to be yet, but the pieces are appearing. And that's what really led me to working with other neurodivergent businesses and business owners. 
Yeah, absolutely. I also have ADHD. So when I started my business, I was really struggling to figure out why I couldn't do some things because I think when I was in school, that's when I was diagnosed. And that was obvious. My ADHD was so obvious in school. But then in like a workplace after school, I could just like blend in and everything was fine. And then once I started my own business, I was like, oh, wow, like this is all on me. I see the gaps and where I need to like figure out what I'm doing, why I'm doing it this way. And so now three over three years in, I kind of have more of a grasp on like, I cannot push myself to do something if I don't want to do it in that moment. Right. I could sit in front of my computer for like two, three hours and I will not finish it. (laughs) So I have to be in the right headspace to be able to do some tasks and that's just something that to me completely normal and I've like been able to figure that out on my own so I think it's great that anyone who is in this mind space of like maybe they're not sure what's going on or why am I struggling so hard at doing this one task but this other task I could do easily they can come to you and really see the whole picture come together like you were saying and feel more I know on your website, you have something about like kicking normal to the side, but I think we all do want to feel normal in a lot of ways. Right. Well, I, I love that you bring up this, the shift at from like the nine to five to running a business, especially with ADHD. And I think something that's really important to remember, and it was something like, it still takes me time to like get back into that space is that running your business doesn't have to be the same way as you operated in your nine to five. Mm -hmm. Learning to work with your brain and the way that your brain function is truly the best thing that you can do as a business owner. Like learning when you are most creative or learning when you can really crank through a lot of tasks, like when you have the most motivation and crafting your schedule around that. Like the rears in the seats from nine to five is just not... It's not functional. Yeah. It doesn't work when you're running a business and it especially doesn't work as a neurodivergent person. So I just wanted to throw that in there as we're kind of talking about this, because I think it was a really big learning curve for myself. And I think it was one of the things that I felt a lot of shame about mm-hmm. when I first started the business, where it's just like, why is it so hard for me to work from like the traditional start to end time in this day? Or like, why am I trudging through like noon to three, but then have this other burst of energy come like 3.30? And so really sitting down and thinking through that and paying attention. I mean, just something that I did was I just mapped it out, right? Like I sat there and I was like every hour for about a week, Okay. When do I feel excited at 11? Perfect. Let's make a note and then really craft your schedule to that, which I know, again, I got a little off topic, but you no. said it and I was like, oh my gosh, this no, is I so this is something I wish I would have learned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause when I first started, I was like, what is going on? And now I completely understand. And what I do is I try to be super in advance of things like two weeks in advance, not super in advance because I put all of my to-do list and like on my written calendar on Monday And that's what I have to do for the whole week. So I can pick and choose what I do. And as long as it's all done by the end of the week, I have run a successful week. And so that's what I found that works for me. And so I know you gave some tips before, but for anyone who's trying to navigate entrepreneurship with being neurodivergent, 
Do you have any tips on how they can really like audit their time and figure out what works for them? Yeah. Again, the energy, like mapping your energy is going to be huge, especially because knowing like as neurodivergence, there are some tasks that we straight just don't want to do. We don't want to do them. But as a business owner, there are tasks that until you're able to pay someone else to do them, you have to do them. And so being able to map your energy and learning what time in the day you have the most energy or even the most motivation is really, really helpful for those larger tasks. And then also remembering too, so like I, in my to-do list, I have some also like very, what seem like small basic tasks, but for me, like being able to ramp up and have checked off a couple of things on the to-do list that maybe only took me like two to five minutes gives me that dopamine boost that I need and that momentum to then cross off some of those bigger pieces. So that's, that's one. Like that's really so funny because I started putting, put like taking my vitamins on my checklist and marking that off makes me so happy. Right. That's so funny. Yes. Yes. Well, I, feel like, that. I feel like it's something that a lot of people think is so silly, but it is absolutely a hack that works. It really does. So I would definitely recommend paying attention to that. And then in those times where you are also, you feel are your most productive or you have the most energy, I highly recommend blocking those hours off in your calendar. Like don't, don't let that time be wasted. Especially I know for me, like calls can be really draining. And what I originally was doing was like, oh, like I want to get all my calls done in the morning so that I have the whole afternoon. And then the afternoon would come and I'd be like, I am so exhausted. I don't want to do anything. And so really thinking about the time that would be best used for getting work done as opposed to meetings or sometimes sales calls and stuff like that, I think is really, really beneficial, especially if you're a service provider, because like we have, we have things that we have to do to provide for people. And if you don't have the energy to do that, it can really make running a business feel like trudging through quicksand. And so those are the big things that I would say. And then again, rewarding yourself, like the small tasks, you're, here's the deal, especially if you're starting out and you're a solopreneur, you're not necessarily going to have a boss coming in and giving you a gold star. You're not going to have an employee being like, oh my gosh, I really love what you just made. You know, so you have to find ways to give yourself those boosts, especially if you are coming up against like that social media highlight reel, because I know for me, it was really, really difficult to see everyone's quote successes and how far ahead everyone felt to me. And then not having anyone like in the corner who, who really got it right. Like I have friends who are like, like, oh, you're doing great, but they're all in corporate. And so they don't, they don't quite understand like what, what it's all about. And so just being ready to and willing to reward yourself as you're moving through these hurdles, you know, and even if it's small jumps, it could be, it could be something so simple. Like we talked about, like doing your vitamins, taking your vitamins, like give yourself a pat on the back, find yourself something that makes you excited and proud of the work that you're doing. So I think that's something that is really, really big and is oftentimes also overlooked because you, know, you just don't think about it. Right. So those would be probably the main 
things that I would say. I'm sure more will hit me as we continue the conversation, but yeah. those are the top ones. <laughs> oh, I love those a lot. Those are great. And especially the point that you made where you're comparing yourself to everyone online, but then your friends and family who are all in corporate are like, oh my gosh, you're doing so good. Well, that is nice. I think the thing that helped me the most was actually starting my podcast because then I could talk to so many different entrepreneurs and hear their journey. And yeah, we all want to share like the best highlights on the episode, but then being able to like form relationships with my podcast guests after the fact has really added a lot of context to the whole world of entrepreneurship and just has made it a lot more approachable and also supportive, I think. So once you start meeting more people in your field or in entrepreneurship, anyone who's listening, like that will really, really open the door and like shed some light on, we're not all a hundred percent all the time. Like it happens. Right. Well, I, I love that. That's why you started yours because that's also why I wound up starting my own podcast too. Like I was just so tired of seeing all of the highlight reels and not hearing the real story. And so similar to you, I was like, I need to, I, number one, I got to save myself. Like I got to talk to some other people because I feel like I'm going crazy. And so what I've been doing is having conversations with entrepreneurs and asking them about their failures, because mm -hmm. I feel like people only really want to talk about like what they've done well. And I feel like it is so helpful to hear where other people have maybe messed up or what they would suggest doing to kind of save you from the slip up that they have have had. And it's been so eye-opening. And just like you, like what you've said, it just makes the picture of entrepreneurship feel a lot more whole. You know, it's a, it's more holistic. It has more depth mm -hmm. as well. And I feel like it really, really helps when you get into that state of comparison and you get into that state of second guessing yourself and questioning things. So I love, I love that is also why you started yours because it truly, it is one of the best things that could have happened. Absolutely. And your podcast is called the Brand Bite Podcast, correct? Yes. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. I love the topic. I love the title. I love all of it. So I'm going to put that in the show notes for anyone who wants to listen because I think hearing other people's failures does help a lot <laughs> you know not even from like a judgmental way just like hearing like oh yeah we are all human having human experiences like business is business this is just what right. so yeah. exactly exactly and then also seeing like people who got back up you know I think yeah. that's I think that's a really big thing because I know like in the moment when you're tripping and falling and stumbling trying to get your footing and your way in in the world of business it can be really difficult, especially as I mentioned, when you don't have people who are also in that same boat as you to think, you know, am I ever going to get past this? And yeah. so hearing some of these stories and how I like to think of it as like a slingshot, like how these people had these setbacks that actually set them up to catapult forward and be so much more successful than they were at like that original point where they had that setback in the first place. Mm -hmm. So definitely talk to people ask people. I feel like entrepreneurs are oftentimes really excited to share what it's really like. I think we're all kind of feeling that same like itch yes. to let people know. So yeah, if you want to check it out, definitely do so. It's, it's a good time. Yeah. Yeah. I'll definitely put that in the show notes and back to your business. And so you were a graphic designer, writer, all of these things. And now can you tell us how you work with your clients and kind of who you work with? Like what? type of brands you typically work with? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I build out visual brand identities for people. Luckily, I have been able to kind of pull in that English and sociology degree. So it hasn't, it's not a whole waste, guys, just a little bit. And that I'm able to really help businesses build more of that human centric brand. I think a lot of people, especially when you're just starting out, you spend a lot of time thinking about what you like and what you want. And what I do is I help my clients figure out how to, I call it date their customers, like really treat their customers as if they were a romantic partner and that they're trying to build this long-term relationship with, because I'm, as many of us know, you know, it costs so much more money to obtain a new client than it does to, or a new customer than it does to maintain that. Um, and then you've got like lifetime value of customers and, and clients and all of that. And so what I really aim to do is bring that human element back to a brand, really help them figure out what they can do to connect with their audience. And also like, that's going to differ from business to business, you know, cause everyone's going to have a different target audience and a different, uh, you know, different buyer personas and all of that. So that's a big bit of what I do. And then again, all the visuals will come in. I love building out, you know, color palettes, typography palettes, brand patterns, logos, so on and so forth to really help make something cohesive and really tell your story, but in a way that resonates with the people who you're trying to connect with. And so that's, that's a bit about what I do. Businesses that I really like to work with. I love working with minority owned businesses, whether that be people of color, LGBTQ businesses, women owned businesses as well. You know, having worked in the like eh, semi-corporate marketing world, I helped a lot of rich white men get richer. That's <laughs> kind of over it. And so, you know, I learned what it takes to really elevate a brand and what it takes to get your business to those next levels in working with them. And now it's very, very exciting to get to apply that to businesses whose missions I align far more with. And obviously I like working with neurodivergent businesses as well. Our brains always connect and line up, right? So if you ever feel like that's more your jam. I'm always happy to talk. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. And I love that you offer different options too. You have like strategies, you have intensives, you have a service called brand in a day. So I like how you have multiple different offers with different timelines, because I know for me, I sometimes get in this like instant gratification type of mindset with my business. I'm sure a lot of us do where I'm like, I need this now. My business cannot go on without this now. So you have that, but then you also have longer strategy and different options for people who need different, different things. I remember a while ago, I wanted to hire someone to help me figure out money, like a money coach to help me with investing and all of those things. And I literally messaged probably 30 people on Instagram in one day. I was in like a hyperfixation type of thing. I was like, oh yeah, I need this now. So I love that you have all these different options. And do you have a course? So I actually, I created a, a free mini course about how to date your buyer. So that is available on my website. I've thought about building it out and to be something, you know, bigger, but it's not quite in the cards yet. So who knows though, everyone, if everyone likes it, then maybe I'll go in and build that out. But it's really a great way to kind of start to dive into building those buyer personas. I call them your buyer dating profile, but breaks down the ways that you really should be thinking about your customers and not just as kind of a credit card, but more as this whole human that you want to build this relationship with. 
So yep. that's that's kind of my dabble into the course realm. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Understanding your buyer is a whole different game, I think. Especially like you were saying earlier, it's easy to think about who you want to work with, but then who you're actually attracting may be different. And so for anyone who's just starting business, because a lot of the people who are newer, do you have like a quick win, like a quick tip that you could share just about starting to understand your buyer? Yeah, yeah. So one of the big things that I see people kind of messing up on is when they think about their buyer, they think just of the demographics, right? Mm -hmm. So these are the things that you can kind of just see about a buyer, like maybe how much money they're making or where they're living, or are they married? Do they have kids? So on and so forth. And that's not actually going to tell you how they purchase. It's not going to tell you anything about what drives them or motivates them to purchase something. It's not going to tell you what their pain points are. And so really sitting down and thinking about what's called the psychographics and the motivators, the fears, but also the things that they love, that's going to help you so much more in your marketing and in your business than just knowing that you help a single family households making over 150,000 a year. Yeah. Like that's not going to tell you anything, but learning the psychographics absolutely will. So focus big time on that. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And the more you can make those things about yourself stand out in your marketing, the easier it is honestly to attract who you're meant to speak to. I just was talking about this last week of like the more niche you can be, the easier it is for your people to find you. I think it's scary to niche down, but like critical to really like attracting the people that you really, really want to work with. Exactly. And I think remembering too, that especially as you're starting out, this is going to shift. Mm -hmm. Like your business is going to morph and grow from day one till whenever you maybe decide to close it or sell it or anything like that. Like it is a living, breathing entity. And so that also means that your audience might change. And so going in and doing kind of these self audits and figuring out what direction you want to go. I, I tell people all the time, like I build brands for individuals who are not looking at today, but are looking at five to 10 years from now, because that's what we want to be doing, you know? And I think when you're just starting out, it can be really easy to kind of get into this mindset that, okay, I've got this, per like this great idea. This is what it's going to be for the rest of forever. And just really what I encourage people to do is instead of looking at like that, go into it as if you are like a scientist, someone who is wanting to discover things, you're throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. You're really testing your hypotheses and shifting accordingly. And that's going to, if you can look at your business like that, it's going to be so beneficial as you're growing and shifting because it's going to make you far more likely to pivot as opposed to get stuck in the weeds that can really drag you down. Yeah. Having a growth mindset is really everything when it comes to, to business. And I'm curious, what point in business do people normally come to you for help with their brand or their strategy? Like, are they newer or are they more established? Yeah. So I help, I help a range of individuals. I would say that if you are wanting to invest in like a bigger rebrand or branding opportunity that you really spend some time in the business first. So I do not recommend that for 
your first year of business. Mm-hmm. Like I know that some people will be like, give me your money. Let's build you a brand, but you're going to, I'm telling you, you're going to experience so much growth and change in that first year that an investment in your branding in that first year is not the best place to spend that money. Like I highly recommend investing in like a sales coach, a business coach, anything like that to get you off the ground. Once you have developed your offers, you have started to figure out who you're selling to. You have tested whether your offers are going to work in the market to begin with, that's when I recommend starting to think about reaching out to a brand designer. That makes sense. Like have a business before you try to grow the business that you don't have. (laughs) Exactly. Really easy to get ahead of yourself. So that's great advice. Maybe get a client, make sure it's what you really want to do before investing a ton of money into the brand, the websites, the whatever other coaches you may want to hire, just like make sure you're loving it before getting too ahead of yourself. So that's really, really good advice that I think a lot of people do need to hear. Yeah. I just know it's something that I wish I would have been told before diving in. Yeah. Well, I have absolutely loved this conversation. Before we get into your action steps, is there anything else that you would like to share? I think the big thing just being, you know, believe in yourself, remember that you are doing this for a reason, maybe write that reason down. So when you start to kind of waver a little bit, you can go back and reflect. And then again, with that neurodivergent piece, like really think about how your brain works because the the quote normal way of running a business is very likely to not work for you. So really sit down and don't be afraid to be different. I know it's scary. I know it's really scary, but don't be afraid to do things differently. Find what works best for you. That's so great. Thank you so much. And the last question that I ask all of my guests to start wrapping up the episode is for you to share three action steps for the audience to start with today to start moving forward in their business. So how would you like to challenge the audience this week? Yeah. So I I really, really love this question and I love that it's three tasks. I'm going to give you guys some small ones. One, I know we talked about it a lot, but really sit down and map out your energy. Whether you're neurodivergent or not, this is going to help you big time being way more productive in your business. So that's action step number one. Action step number two, I'm going to highly recommend that you reach out to another entrepreneur who is farther ahead in business than you and ask them questions, connect with them, see if they have any advice. Now, mind you, be respectful of people's time. If you're able to maybe buy them a virtual coffee or something like that, I think they'll be far more receptive to give you their time. I know that right now everyone's reaching out to everybody. So be wary of that. And again, be respectful, but reach out to someone, see what it's like, even someone who's not in your field. So just really start kind of tentacles out, connect as much as you can. Uh, So that's number two. And then I would say the third thing, and I know that none of this has anything to do with branding or design, but I would say the third thing, like I mentioned, is really write down why you're in this. Why are you doing this? Why did you decide to start a business? And I'm going to challenge you to circle back to that you know, circle back in a year, circle back in three years and see if it's still aligned with you. Because like I said, that's going to be one of the biggest things that's going to get you through those hurdles that we talked about. It's going to get you through the times where you're like, I don't know if I can do this. And so having that solid mission and not a mission statement for your brand, not a mission that you're going to post to the world or anything, but your personal mission, your personal reason for doing it. That's what 
that's what I would encourage you to do. And I challenge you to do. Yeah, I love those. Those are really, really great and really actionable. So I really appreciate those. And Hunter, anyone who wants to work with you or just connect with you, how can they find you? Yeah. So you can shoot me an email at hunter at vergerdesignco.com. That is V as in Victor, E-R, D as in dog, U-R-E, designco.com. I did not follow the cardinal rule, which was pick a name that's easy to say and spell. So I, <laughs> I try to spell it out for everyone. You can find me on Instagram at vergerdesignco. And then if you would like to listen to the podcast, feel free to. It's the Brand Bite podcast. It is on Spotify. I believe it is also on Apple. I'm not great with tech, so I'm trying to get that connected, but it's definitely on Spotify. So you can check that out. And again, I'm always happy to chat. If you want someone to review your brand, reach out. If I want to, if you want me to be the person who tells you a little bit more about what entrepreneurship has been like for me, feel free to reach out. Again, wishing you all the best. The journey can be rough, but it is absolutely worth it. So best of luck. Thank you for listening to the Employee to Boss podcast. If you made it to the end of this episode, I hope that you implement the actionable steps from this week's experts so you can get started with your business today. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the Employee to Boss podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It helps more than you could ever imagine. Remember, a little progress each day leads to big results. We come out with a new episode every Tuesday. To access our show notes, transcripts, and courses, please check out EspressoPodcastProduction.com. Thank you.